Good afternoon. My name is Kamika, and I will be your conference operator today. Welcome to Cozen O'Connor Public Strategy Series about the latest developments in politics and policy in D.C. Our call today will be moderated by Blake Rutherford, a member of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies. Our speakers are Howard Schweitzer, Managing Partner, and Mark Alderman, Chairman of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies. This recording will also be available after the call on iTunes and SoundCloud by searching for Cozen O'Connor. For any questions, please email presidentialanalysis at cozen.com. Thank you, and thanks, everybody, for joining us today. My name is Blake Rutherford, and alongside me, I have Mark Alderman, the chairman of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies, and Howard Schweitzer, the managing partner of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies. Gentlemen, what's up? <laughs> Good to be with you, Blake. <laughs> Great to be with you, as always. We look Happy holidays. to your introduction. All right, yeah. Happy holidays. <laughs> I hope you had a, a, a fruitful and uh, abundant Thanksgiving. Um, we are in the throes of, you're going to tell me what, because it has, it has not been a calm or quiet uh, holiday season here in Washington. Uh, we have a number of things to talk about today. Before we get into the specifics of that, though, I want to I wanna just take a step back. You certainly had time to reflect at your Thanksgiving, uh, to, uh, to give thanks for for all that is. Uh, Mark, tell me, tell me what's going on in the world. What a world, Blake. <laughs> what a world is my uh, assessment. Uh, I think we are at a time and place in this country where the great majority of Americans, certainly 65 to 70%, and some of the remaining Americans in that 30% uh, do not feel that things are going that well. I think that's where we are. I think it's just not... Mark, really that's, that's really quite <laughs> the understatement from you. That's very measured. I came back from Thanksgiving very relaxed, very calm, and um, I'm going to see if I can get to 12.15 and, and maintain that. Yeah, it, nothing is going that well. Uh, although where you stand depends on where you sit. If you're sitting in Mitch McConnell's office or Paul Ryan's office, you got one good thing happening as they see it. It remains to be seen if they can finish, and it remains to be seen what that means next year. But the, the mood, the mood out there, I, I don't think is uh, very positive heading into the holiday season. Howard, what do you think? I the the thing that i mean look it's um this town is a mess <laughs> it, it, everyone knows that um things just aren't um that good on a on a political level i think the the government continues to to function and and do its business to me i mean on, on a lot of levels i i keep going back to this the i think the system is holding the system is 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 prevailing um but it you know it's tough to go through it's tough to watch um i i think that uh well something really caught my eye this week in in some of the opinion polling on on trump and that is that i mean his numbers remain fairly constant as far as 
the disapproval. But the um, an incredible number of people who still support him, who voted for him and still support him, um, don't like his tweeting. That is... Well, right. Don't like his tweeting. A number that caught my eye in the polling is that a large number of people who still support him a year ago told pollsters they thought he would be a great president. They no longer think he will be a great president, but they still support him. A number that jumped out to me, Mark, and the first time we we did talk about on our last call that Trump's base is holding, for the first time now, his core support is under 30%, um, which I thought actually would never happen. I, I honestly thought that 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 would hold. I found that to be interesting. The other thing I found to be interesting is people are leaving Trump's Republican Party. I don't know where they're going, but they're leaving well, Trump's Republican Party. Right. Uh, all all the above. And I interrupted you, Howard. So take take the floor back. But uh, they don't like the tweeting. They don't like the tax bill. They don't like the repeal of the individual mandate. It's just it's just not going well. That's why I say it in that very measured way. Even for those people who still support them, it, it, they're getting nothing out of this. The tax bill is really interesting because it's the devil is so in the details for the benefit or right. I mean and, and to me it's most interesting because it fundamentally blows up the deficit. And one trillion dollars. A trillion, and and it's. I mean, I think it's being portrayed as a wealthy person's tax bill, but I think when you step back or step forward and kind of dive into the details, I'm not so sure. There's a lot of stuff in there that is that is not um, that that way, and. Um, so I just think the politics around it are interesting. Hard to argue that the devil's in the details, and we don't know what the details are. And right, we don't have a final bill yet. But no final bill yet? I think just the look at the Senate bill. Though. Likely to swallow the Senate bill because I yeah, think of course. making the Senate vote again is unlikely. But if they actually produce a conference bill, anything, anything goes. Not entirely sure which provisions you have in mind that aren't leaning that leaning towards the wealthy but but my point is sort of the the flip side of that coin which is it's just not doing anything good for the people who put this president in the white house that 30% isn't getting the middle-class tax break. That That is not in the bill. Whatever else is or isn't, that is not. And the deficit, what what a world we live in where the Democrats well, are the deficit. Right, right exactly. The Repu- that's what I'm saying. The right. Republicans now own yeah. the deficit. And, and I just think we're, we're seeing a fundamental kind of re-scripting of, of American politics. Trump's base used to be in part the Tea Party, which 
came into being as an anti-deficit movement. And here we are. Here we are in an upside-down world with Trump's base supporting Trump's soon-to-be signature on the biggest deficit explosion bill ever. Without anyone, I mean, including nonpartisan groups actually believing this will grow the economy. And so I can be cynical and state what I think is true, that that <coughs> this is a bill that focuses on the GOP donor class, whether they actually realize all the benefits or not. We know corporations are going to realize a significant benefit, which means stock prices are going to go up, which means CEO bonuses are going to go up. Beyond that, I'm still confused by the politics of it, Howard. You, you said they were interesting, which I totally agree with, because I can't wrap my mind around. Yeah. I get the, I mean, I get that. I get the, the corporate CEO. I get high net worth investors, but I don't. I don't get Trump's base around this thing. I, I struggle with that. I, I think that. Um it, it it is perplexing, but I think there's a lot in there that I think there's a lot of stuff in there that whacks. For example, the service industry, the industry we are in, the professional services industry, that whacks people who these guys like to whack, and that makes for some good political sound bites. And I think if some of that filters out, it's going to fit in with a lot of the messaging that's been that's been going on out there and. Well, clearly Republicans think, I mean, because with the, with the exception of Senator Corker of, of Tennessee, um, I mean, the moderates in, in that party who stood up in opposition to repeal and replace were on this, are, were, are for this bill. Um, and so clearly they've either, they've, they've sort of done that political calculus, I think, to your point, figured out there's enough in there. I, I uh, and I only say that because they voted yeah. for the bill, and we're going into an election year for mm-hmm. for some of them, not not all of them in the in the Senate. But but uh, somebody clearly knows knows the advantages of this bill, at least to Howard's point, of being able to draw out those things that that do make for good well, sound bites, which is about all that we're gonna unless I, we're gonna make Caitlin read the bill, yeah, but maybe um, because there's an element of this. And we like have to be uh, self-aware about uh, what happened when Democrats were in charge of the White House and Congress. There's an element uh, in this of what happened with the Affordable Care Act, where somebody, it may even have been Nancy Pelosi, somebody said, "Well, we're going to pass it and then read it." Yeah. Okay. These guys are going to pass this and then read it. They don't know. Says there's a desperation to do something, anything, and this is the thing that they think they can get done. So I'm just not sure that it is as strategically subtle and nuanced as all that. I think people are just for it because they have to be for something. And I think that may be a significant miscalculation. But but it's very different in the House of the Senate because the Senate also repealed the individual mandate. 
which, when the House swallows the Senate bill, will, of course, become law. And I think that is going to be politically unpopular, period, 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 in, in the midterms. But we got to get there. We got to get from, from here to there. But let's not forget that it isn't only a tax cut. Let, let's be clear. It's not tax reform. There's no reforming of anything. There, nobody's filing their taxes on a postcard like Brian and the president pretended they would when the House passed its bill. It is tax cuts, not tax reform. And it is an attack on the I don't think, care act. I don't think I don't think that's right. I mean I think I think there's plenty of reform in there. Lowering the corporate tax rate is not just a tax cut, it's a fundamental change to the system. It's a fundamental cut. It's reform. I agree with you. And and there's all sorts of stuff in there that is well. The promise was that it would be a simplification of a hopelessly complex and, to a degree, corrupt code. That that didn't happen. That but, did not happen. But I mean, to to Howard's point, I mean, there there the system existed one way, and oh. we can talk about exemptions for, you know, deductions for student loans. Things that are going to go away. Well, um, yeah. And so the system will fundamentally look different it, when when this bill. Yeah, no Mark, it's kind of like it's change attack. It's kind of like you can keep your doctor. It's the yeah. 2017 version of you can keep your doctor. Yeah. You can keep yeah. your taxes. Yeah, yeah, but you can't. <laughs> you can't, and you couldn't before. And I put that on the table as a uh, precedent uh, for this. That did not, by the way work well as a political matter <laughs> for the Obama administration. Just saying. And I don't see this working that well uh, either. But meanwhile, uh, we'll have more focus, clarity, and more to argue about, I think, uh, in our next call, because there's, there's so many moving parts right now. You have 72 hours, is it, Howard, to keep the government open? Right. That used to be front page news. Now you've got Mueller and Little Rocket Man and taxes, and I think you have to go to Section B to find out that your government might shut down. <laughs> Howard, what do you think about the prospects for a shutdown? Kind of preview the next 72 hours for us. Well, it's, it's not going to happen this week. There's a higher risk of it happening they're, they're going to kick it. Republican leadership is attempting to kick it down the road in, in two stages. There's a higher risk of it happening um, later this month, which would be the first, the expiration of the first um, punt. Exactly. Yeah, I was looking for the word. Um, it's. I mean, what it is is the politics of this town on display because. The Republicans ultimately can't pass something without Democrats, um, or they have to lie down with the Freedom Caucus and and deal with those guys and and their their demands. So it's and it's really an andor. Um, so it's it just highlights the kind of where we are. Yeah. But I don't. We're not. 
Well, we're not, gonna, we're not shutting down this week. Republicans can't pass anything in the House without either picking up Democratic votes or making peace with the Freedom Caucus, which last night had a moment of yeah, independence. In the Senate, uh, Republicans can't do this without Democrats, period. 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 60 votes need eight Democratic senators. Uh, That is a return of relevance for the Democrats. Democrats were MIA in the tax bill in major part because they weren't invited, but in lesser part because they opted not to crash the party. But now we're going to have Pelosi and Schumer, uh, Ryan McConnell, and presumably Trump cracking some kind of a deal, and that that's hard to predict, hard to know what, what that looks like, uh, because at least so far, Schumer and Pelosi have said they're not agreeing to anything that doesn't clean up DACA. Right. And a lot of Republicans have said uh, DACA's cleaned up, the president ended it. So yeah. see how that all plays out. Yeah, but he's willing to deal on that. And I oh. think if it gets the president, and I think if it gets kicked into January, which would be much better from a legislative point of view, a legislating point of view, um, you know, just like last, earlier this year, we got a real bill, a real bipartisan bill that carried us through got us fiscal year 17. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. You know, I think there's a, I think there's a chance that sanity can again yeah. um, take over the process. Well, there, that would be novel. And and it happened though. Yeah, and and maybe. Um, <laughs> I don't think it will be productive if the president holds another meeting with Ryan McConnell and two empty, empty chairs. chairs. Yeah. But let's let's hope that the five of them can sit down and do something. And and there's also there is an untold story here um, of something semi-functional happening, because this spending bill has the dramatic DACA question and the top-line number. But down below, there are committees meeting, and there are mostly on the Senate side, R's and D's working together to pick the right number for the National Institute of Health, just to pick one one moving part. So there's there's a lot. You always make this point, Howard. Below the yeah. theater, there is actual work being yeah. done. Look, the and that's going way better than the theater. The primary issue in Washington right now is the White House. It's the White House. Yeah. I mean, let's call yeah. a spade. Senator Morgan's. That's bad for the Republican Party. It's it's very bad for the Republican Party. It's disgusting on some level, and I'm happy to say that. 
I mean, I'm, that, I wish I didn't to, have to say that, but to it, your point that too is just lighthouse derivative. It's one of a hundred guys. By the way, on that, we'll see what happens. I mean, he's up 2.6. He's within the margin of error. He's up slightly in the real clear politics polling. No. He's not. You know, he's dropped significantly. He hasn't um, won yet, but what has happened, of course, is that the the fake expulsion yeah. threat has gone away. Faded. The RNC is now supporting him, but guess yeah. what? they got to own that. Yeah. they got to own it. Yeah. And that's the calculation they're making. And it's, it's kind of like you said last time <laughs> that um, – the Democrats never should have gotten rid of the nuclear option, or they should they never should have taken the nuclear option right. with judges. Well, right. you know what? You make short-term decisions, and they come back yeah. to bite you. Because one of the one of the progress points yeah. okay. that is, if you if you talk to Republicans, especially if you talk to Federalist Society Republicans, they are confirming judges. Yeah. They are getting. They are moving judges through the pipeline pretty efficiently. Whether you agree or disagree with their qualifications, they are seating judges at a rapid rate. Yeah. Well, you know those people like Howard, and I know them, and it's the same question with them, the Federalist Society Mm -hmm. types. As with all Republicans, at what price? At what price and for how long? Because the folks I know who are all for the judges being seated are are shaking their head and holding their nose and and trying to restructure the judiciary. And the question that they ask, I ask it of them, they ask it of themselves, is at what price and for how long? So far, he hasn't done anything remarkably enough that they don't find intolerable. Remarkable that they don't find it intolerable. Remarkable that he hasn't done it. But But at at what point? But look, as I was saying, the fundamental issue, from my perspective, is is the functioning, the dysfunction in the White House. Getting worse. Just taking its toll. I think everybody has fatigue. I think the fact that his supporters are saying enough with your tweeting, Mr. President, tells me a lot. Um, uh, it, it's, but it's just not, it's not Should going. Should we be waiting no, for that? It's not going great. Pivot hour. Yeah, sorry. I got that one wrong. <laughs> um, now, now we're hearing the guy who tweets out a confession to a federal crime. <laughs> There's no pivot here. There's no pivot. Well, we're now hearing reports that he's Purposely circumventing his chief of staff, um, you know, holding meetings in which he directs staffers to do things and then to not inform their boss about what they are doing um, and why. Um, and his chief of staff was a chain of command order guy. Um, we are hearing reports that. There is not only frustration about the tweeting from Trump supporters, but within the West Wing, that yeah. there is serious frustration. Um, and I want to get to the to the to the latest round of tweets because I, they are 
potentially explosive. They've certainly driven headlines. But what do you do? I mean, it's been a year. Um, the function. I mean, what do you do? And and it's been a year, and they've made some fun, very fundamental changes in personnel, and it hasn't gotten better. Right. And and it, I, I've been wrong a lot about this guy, mostly before he got somehow elected. But I'm I'm standing by my prediction that there will be no pivot. There can't be a pivot. It, it isn't going to get better. The functioning of the White House isn't going to get better because he's the president. And the problem is him. The problem isn't General Kelly. He knows how to organize the staff. The problem is this president whose staff is being organized. The problem is that... And it's going to get even worse. The problem is that... there. There's a two-day news cycle in this town last week where the Secretary of State is gone and neutered and and then a tweet over the weekend saying, no, that's not actually happening. It's it's fake news. He's not – I'm not firing him. He's not – I mean, it's, it's just – it's a strange time. It's a strange time. Yeah. And it's – you know, you – Exhausting. It's an exhausting time. You look, look, people, I don't care. I know people hate Washington with good reason. <laughs> um, but people can say that all day long. The citizens of this country look to their government, notwithstanding issues they may have for stability, for certainty, for predictability, for predictability. And that's that's missing and it's not that's not a congressional thing it's just it's not it's not a matter of what's happening on the hill it's not a matter even of repeal and replace it's it's it is predictability and um stability in their president in the figurehead in the guy the person well, who's at the top chief. commander in chief not just a figurehead right but, I, but what I meant is right. he, that the president has always been he's he's symbolic is yep. yeah. But to Blake's earlier point, um, what's a Republican to do? Where's a Republican to go? The tax bill. Where's a Democrat to go, Mark? Well, I mean Bernie Sanders, back to Hillary, and. No. Show me a keep going and I'll say no and then we can Right. Nancy Pelosi? No. Keep going. <laughs> Chuck Schumer? Chuck Schumer? No. I mean that's the thing. Give me some more. Give me some more no, choice. I have no more. What I was going to say and then we can certainly talk about the Democrats who are who are underperforming the market also but are at least winning school board elections. Right. You know my speech on that. Let's see where we are in 2018. But the tax bill that is likely to come out of Congress is a Republican tax bill and is a bill that that will be signed by Donald Trump, but it, it wasn't something Donald Trump did. 
President Rubio would be signing a tax bill that looked similar. So you have Republicans being Republicans on the Hill, and then you have the White House, and then you have the White House, and a different Republican uh, reality. And I wonder, I wonder, hope and wonder, whether once that tax bill gets signed and the Mueller investigation continues to progress, uh, I, I just wonder at what price and for how long the Republican leadership in the Senate and House are going to stand by this guy. Well, a lot. I, I mean, I, I guess we'll, we will learn a lot. You, you both touched on the Alabama Senate special election, um, and as we, in our previous call, talked about gubernatorial races in Virginia and New Jersey and, and other things. This is this is an important election optically. It's also an important election in terms of the functionality of, of the Senate and whether Roy Moore is going to be the, the disruptor he claims to be, whether Doug Jones is going to win and, um, and, and, and give the Democratic national message potentially uh, an opportunity to rethink itself. I think if you look at that campaign, he's certainly found ways to articulate what Democrats are for in a way that you are not hearing coming from Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi um, and potentially could be incredibly useful. But I guess, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens there with the presidents. But Blake, I, I think that the Democrats are doing a much better job here of managing expectations. Yeah than they did, let's say, in the race to replace um, Tom Price in Georgia in the House, where these expectations were created that um, they were going to run away with it or had like a a serious shot when they never really did here. It's kind of the opposite narrative. And look, I think coming into this, a Republican would have been – I mean, I guess all politics are kind of off the table at this point with this thing because it's so been overtaken by the guy's personal issues. Um, but on the other hand, I think we would have expected the Republican nominee for the Senate seat in the special election in Alabama to win by 30 points. Sure. And we'll see what it ends up being, but it's going to be a lot less than 30 points. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, and you, you touched on the polling averages, and and it is it is it is very very close to the extent we we give our usual caveat of be careful how much you believe the polls, right? Because, yeah, right. Of everything, but, but to your point, Howard and Mark, I mean, one of the things that I also think that the Doug Jones campaign slash the people in Alabama who understand all this sent a very clear and direct message to national Democrats to stay away. You can send us your checks, yeah. but don't send us your people. Right. Don't send us your headlines. Right. Leave us alone. Right. We know what we're doing. Right. We we may not win, but we know how to run to win. Um, I think that's well, that's been a, a, a big difference maker in this race. Big difference from the right. Georgia right. primary. Right. Right, and I think it is going to be, to a degree at least, the model for the midterms. The midterms are going to be a referendum on Donald Trump, assuming 
bill the president just likely in November of... There's still going to be a referendum on Donald Trump, even and if he's not the president. Correct. Correct. <laughs> referendum on Donald Trump, no matter who the president is. And I think Democrats would be well advised not to make it a choice between Donald Trump and Nancy Pelosi, which is the mistake that got made in Georgia. Yep. And is the mistake that Doug Jones, win or lose, is not making in Alabama. Right. Um, Explain that. Explain why. Explain why. She is still the leader of the Democrats in the House. Well, the simple... I know. She's got more majority of the votes, right? But why? That wasn't your question. Not so much. Yeah. I mean, she's such... She's so not a compelling political figure, in my opinion, my humble opinion. She doesn't have my vote. I don't have one, but she wouldn't have it, and it's a conclusion that uh, we better reach before too long. I think you're going to find people, candidates, Democrats, obviously, running in races in 2018, promising not to vote for Nancy Pelosi. Well, and you have, and you have. I mean, I know we've seen this before, but you do have. I mean, it's this Congressman Seth Moulton's movement to really finally say we have got to move. Yes. Yeah. Um, if we're going to turn the page, if we're going to become a national party again, we have got to move on. Um, we'll see what happens. I think, you know, the it, it's it's tough when you're up against someone who can command an entire delegation. Um, to vote for you, so we'll we'll see we'll see what happens. The, uh, she really fumbled the Conyers thing, um, I think, and yeah, um, although he's out, although he, he did retire today, um, but I think to your point, I've, I've commented, I think you know on on this point on our calls a few times. There've been there've been a a number of national interviews she's given, I think over the course of the last few months that have really just been abysmal in terms of being able to articulate. A democratic vision and 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 what that means. So, uh, you know, for what that's worth, I do want to stick though with the Democrats, Howard, and yeah. talk about him, Mark. Um, you know, someone you know we all know well, Ron Klain has has come out and and called for the DNC is meeting um, in not too long. He's come out and called for uh, fundamental reforms to the DNC, an end to caucuses, no more super delegate votes, and open primaries. <laughs> yep. Um, what do you think about that? Huh. Well, take them one at a time. Uh, I'll tell you what I think, and then speculate on what might happen. Uh, I'm all for the end of uh, superdelegates. Tim Kaine, by the way, also has advocated for the end of Mm -hmm. superdelegates. He's a guy who came from the club that created superdelegates. But the superdelegates got to go. Bernie was right about that. And I think the superdelegates will go. I think that is a reform that will be be made. The open primaries, uh, yeah, sure, I'm okay with that. I think that's harder for the party to do. And I'd hate to see the end of caucuses, honestly. I think caucuses, all politics are local. Caucuses are the most local politics you get in this country in a, in a presidential year. And I think the ability to go somewhere and organize a caucus is an important test of a presidential candidate. It's, that's the right order in which to consider those, because to me, by far, the 
superdelegate thing is the most significant point. Look, 2016 was a reaction on so many levels to the system being rigged. Mm -hmm. And guess what? It was rigged. It is rigged. And people have had enough of that, and um, that's what this is about. It's it's not going to work. There's too much transparency. (laughs) There's too much hacking, let alone um, just normal transparency. There's too much transparency in the process to try to pull one over on the American people, and that's a, that to me is a good thing. Even, I'm not sure how it works out politically. I mean, if that... I don't know what that would have meant last Probably year. But, nothing, but um, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Super delicate is an optics thing. I mean, they tend to fall... It, we haven't had... We haven't experienced, at least not in the last several cycles... A situation where a candidate came into a convention with more pledged delegates and did not get the nomination. Right. Um, Look, and the potential for that is more of a. I I I think it's right. I think I I I I think it's the easiest thing to get rid of and the most politically polarizing thing to stick with. The very first line of the. code of ethical conduct for people that serve in government is public service is a public trust. That's what this is about. And these parties are gatekeepers into government for lack of a better description. And and the American people know that. And they've had enough. And and this is... And and, and you know what? As much as... um, Trump is an issue on some levels. And look, there are a lot of good people in this administration, and I'm in there every day. I mean, there there are good people, and there are good people in this government. Um, so I, I don't want to, I don't want that to be lost in the shuffle. But as much as Trump is doing his best to undermine his presidency each and every day, um, the forces that brought him into power that got him elected are are real. And they're not partisan. They are out there. They're on both sides of the aisle. And so I think it's really smart for the Democrats to be looking at those kind of reforms. Yeah, and we'll we'll see what happens. But I I think reform is the word of the the day. And I think think we're looking at that from all angles. I think we've identified some real challenges with, with the Democratic Party, Challenges with the Republican Party. We'll see what happens in in Alabama. Um, Howard, I, mechanically, what I, I thought we kind of as we sort of near the end of this call, um, mechanically on on tax reform, what what happens next? What do you what do you when do you see? What are your what are your prospects for President Trump signing that bill before the end of the year? They're really good. Um, you know, they're in conference now. Conferees have been appointed and look the discussions have been going on for um months anyway between the different chambers and and they're going to they're going to get something done there are going to be some changes along the way the corporate alternative minimum tax i think may may go um the corporate rate may inch up a little bit um it may a couple of no, I'm 
questioning not whether those are the changes that would be made. I'm just questioning whether any changes will get made because any changes getting made means back to both sides to vote. And I don't know I don't know that they're going to risk another vote in uh, in either chamber, but certainly not in the, in the Senate. But but I don't know that they won't because this has happened, Howard, faster than you and I in these calls earlier predicted it would. I didn't think it would get done this year. I thought something would happen earlier next year. I think I remember you yep. saying the same. Yep. So the fact that it has gotten this far this fast, I agree with you. They will find a way yeah. to make it happen. I'm just not sure which way it will be. But the president's going to sign a tax bill before Christmas, and that is uh, as faster than I than I thought it will be. And it gives them two things to point to. One of which I think, by the way, uh, is is very popular with their people. I don't think this tax bill will be, but they get Neil Gorsuch and, and they get a tax bill. And as McConnell said, that's a good year. Yeah. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Um, let's take it as, as true. The tax reform bill gets signed. The government does not shut down. Um, what do you see being front and center as we begin the new year. Um, what do you? What are your thoughts about about major issues that 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 politically um, the president and Congress are going to have to confront, or from a policy perspective, or both? Foreign policy. Foreign policy. I think North Korea, trade, NAFTA, um, is is certainly high on the president's agenda. Um, and uh, the Middle East, there peace plan, new peace plans being floated in, in the Middle East, and um, all sorts of crazy politics around that. And maybe an announcement tomorrow that makes that crazier and harder if the president moves to the United States embassy, which he says he's doing tomorrow, but he always says he's doing mm -hmm. stuff he doesn't do. Yeah, I think foreign policy is plainly the playing field for early 2018. There is no domestic legislative agenda left. Mm -hmm. There's nothing teed up to come next. They got to do some things like deal with the CHIP program and the uh, cost uh, reduction sharing payments. Or not, I think they will deal with them. But there's no major legislative initiative left. I think the White House is going to be spending a lot of its time in the first months of 2018 dealing with the Mueller investigation. That obviously took a turn last week. Not a good turn for the White House, no matter how you spin it. And that, I think, is going to uh, consume a lot of time and attention and just make it harder for the dysfunction to improve. People are obviously leaving. <laughs> the other thing is there's just a personnel issue here. 
Um, they've had a hard time getting people in. Um, people have begun. I know a lot of people that um, have begun to leave. Our former now new partner, once <laughs> Jim Schultz, once in current, current uh, partner, came back um, after serving in the White House Counsel's office. It's it's that time where people are starting to roll um, out of government, like some really good people. That's it's a big problem. Hard to replace. Yeah. So. Well, a lot happening. Guys, as always, thank you for for your insights. Um, I want to thank everybody uh, who was able to join us today. You can uh, critique your moderator at Presidential Analysis at Cozen.com and uh, catch all of our past episodes um, on our website, uh, SoundCloud, and and iTunes. Uh, Happy holidays to you. Happy holidays, uh, Mark and Howard, and thank you, everyone, for listening.